marriage is a team. When you get married, you are joining a team. You are team whatever you call your team, right? And, and this is one of the reasons why I, I'm not a big fan of, of couples having different names in a marriage. It should be the same name. Whether you take his name or her name or make some combination of the two, it doesn't really matter, but pick a common name. I mean, imagine if you ask some black guy, what team are you on? Oh, I'm on the Broncos. What team are you on? Oh, I'm on the Raiders. But we're the same team. That's our team name, but it's the same team. It doesn't work like that. Go with, like, Raiders. Or Broncos. Or something like that. But if you're on a team, you're a team. Because a lot of people get married and say, why did you get married? And you say, well, we got married because we love each other. Well, that's a good reason. But what's the purpose of your marriage. Great teams have goals. Great teams have a purpose. Great teams come together and achieve something that they could not achieve on their own. That's what great teams do. And so we're talking about the purpose of marriage, or the mission of marriage is how I prefer to call it. And the first purpose our mission is marriage as team. For marriage to be great, you have to set goals together. What are your goals? What are you going to accomplish together that you could not accomplish apart? Why are you together? What's your team goals? And a lot of marriages, they have like unwritten goals. And they call it a fallen category of well, we're going to try and get ahead in life and get the kids out of the house. Like, that's the goal. As my dad said to me growing up, the road to success does not lead back home. Right? And I knew that was a goal for the, for the family, right? Don't go back home. That's a goal. Team set goals. Marriage is set goals. And the goals are in all different types of categories. There's, there's financial goals. Good teams set financial goals together. One of the reasons that, that couples argue about money is because they haven't set goals. So one spouse thinks this is the goal, another spouse wants this to be the goal. They, they don't ever sit down and talk about it, so they, they just kind of argue about it. And a great, great teams can set goals and say, all right, this is our goal for our finances, and we're going to work together on this goal. There's family goals. You know, we want our kids to have these experiences. Or we had these experiences growing up, and we don't want these experiences for our kids, right? That's one of the goals. We don't want them going through what we went through. And those are great goals. Well, I should say this. They're good goals. They're not great goals. See, the, the great thing about being a follower of Jesus is you get to set goals that have an eternal impact. Mm -hmm. You get to set goals that last not just a lifetime, but forever. And so some great goals for marriages are, you know what, we're going to be missionaries to our kids. We're going to raise kids who know and love Jesus. A great goal for marriage is, is we're going to, to grow together as followers of Jesus. 
In our text for today, from Ephesians chapter 5, Paul has this interesting line where he says, Husbands are called upon to love their wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. To make her holy. So, so clearly, we're made holy by Jesus. But, as couples walk together, they help each other grow. They help each other follow Jesus. They help each other be holy as Jesus is holy. They encourage each other. So marriage is a team. Marriage is also a friendship. Genesis chapters 1 and 2, the great story of creation. And we learn that God is first cause. God is cause of, of all things, including us. And he creates one dude named Adam. And he has Adam do this interesting experiment. He says, okay, Adam, I'm going to show you all the animals, and you have to name them. Right? Great job. Right. Horse. Cow. Sheep. Dog. I like dog. Dog is good, right? And then the Bible says this line. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Like he's like, sheep, nah, that's not going to work. Cow, no good. Dog, eh, close. <laughs> no, 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 no. Right? No suitable helper was found. Adam was lonely. We were created for community. And, and community is, is critical. And so just a quick side note here. If you are not in community, boy, you got to get in community. We used to have some great women's groups, and they both kind of stopped meeting. Somebody moved. What are you going to do? Right? So if you'd like to start up a women's small group, talk to me after church. We will get that started. That's critical. We've got to have it. We've got to have it. Because we have to have community. We, we all need it. We all need community. And Adam needed it. He really needed it because there's no one else around the Bible says that God made Adam fall into a deep sleep, and it says he took a rib, although I think a better translation is he took a side, just cleaved him. And Adam wakes up, and he breaks into poetry. He's like, whoa, man, woman, right? Breaks the song and says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of a man. Adam was lonely. And a spouse is the best example of community. And a spouse should be your best friend. One of the reasons that God's word says no sex before marriage is because sex is often a shortcut to intimacy. It's a shortcut. And so a lot of couples, they get together and there's fireworks, and there's passion, and there's chemistry, and everything feels great. You're like, oh man, this is the one. This is the right one for me, as we talked about a few weeks ago. And then you get married, right? And then what happens is the chemistry, the fireworks, they, they start to slow down. Because you can't be in that in love state forever. Because if you were, you would get nothing done. <laughs> you Absolutely nothing. You'd be like, do you want to make dinner? No. Let's just, let's just look at each other's eyes. Okay, we'll do that. 
My wife and I, first year of our marriage, we lived on mac and cheese and top ramen, and we didn't care. Because it worked, right? You could do that the first year. Second year, you're like, no, no more mac and cheese. No more mac and cheese. I can't handle it, right? And then the chemistry, the fireworks, just start to diminish because that's natural. And couples who have sex before marriage, they haven't done the good, hard work of becoming friends. Good, close friends. Because they didn't have to because the sex replaced it. And then those couples are like, well, now what do we do? Tim Keller, he writes this. He says the two features of real friendship, constancy and transparency. Because real friends always let you in, and they never let you down. And Christian marriage has the great added benefit of common faith. As, as good friends and spouses, they, they help each other follow Jesus with spiritual transparency. So what that means is spouses, they confess their sins to each other. You know? They say, you know what, I, I, I let you down here. Please forgive me. And good spouses are great. They, they practice confession and absolution. They practice asking for forgiveness, and they practice giving forgiveness. I forgive you because Jesus Christ forgives me. They're good at that. And they practice a constancy, spiritual constancy, as they help each other carry one another's burdens. I remember a couple years ago, uh, my wife and I were talking, and, and she said to me, she goes, you know, you seem kind of angry. You seem more angry more than you used to. And I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> but, oh, hmm, you might be right. <laughs> and, and she loved me enough to call me out. See, when you get married, you give your spouse a hunting license. And then they can hunt for things in your character <laughs> that need to be shaped and formed. And it's, 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 it's a gentle. It's not with real bullets, all right? Sometimes spouses, they think they have a hunting license, and they use real bullets. And they're like, ooh, that hurt. Ouch, right? Gentle. Super gentle. Thank you, hunting license, but with a Nerf gun. All right? It's just gentle. I, I can see this. It looks like you're going through that. I was wondering about this. It's, it's gentle. Because God calls spouses to be friends. And friends who can come from completely different backgrounds and completely different just uh, parts of the country and, and social economic status and come together and say, you know, we're going to travel together. The best movies are like that. Those buddy movies, you know? Frodo and Sam. Thelma and Louise. Tubbs and Crockett, right? Okay, they're not moving, but whatever, it's all good, right? And they come together with a common cause and a common mission and a common purpose. And they come together for something great. They set goals, and in the process, they become great friends. Marriage is like that. Marriage is also priority. It's a great question for you married folks. Who's more important? 
in a marriage, who's more important, the spouse or the kids? It's the spouse, right? You think it's the kids, right? Because the kids take most of the time. And so it makes you think the kids are the most important. And you know what? The kids should take most of the time. Because if you've got like two toddlers at home and the husband still takes most of the time, something's wrong, right? But the kids take the time. But the most important person in that grouping is the spouse. Do you know why? Because the best thing you can do for your kids is to love their parent. It's the best thing you can do for them. Kids in a secure environment thrive. They thrive. If they're feeling anxious, I remember working with a family back in California. It was back in California. And they were into the club sports, man. They just did club sports all the time. And they did this, this. They was all for the kids. And, and uh, the kids were great athletes. And they were failing. They were just struggling in life. I said, all right, time out. You kind of rearrange your priorities. And the one parent says to me, but they could get a college scholarship. I said, who, who cares? <laughs> who cares? They'll, get, they'll go to college for free and be messed up the rest of their lives. Fix it now. Work on each other. If it means dropping the club sports, you drop the club sports. And trust me, they will thank you for it. They'll thank you for it. Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ comes, and what's he do? He organizes a team. Which is weird when you think about it. I mean, who doesn't need us? Well, God doesn't need us, you know, because he just doesn't. He likes us, but doesn't need us. The first thing Jesus does in his ministry is he forms a team. And he trains his team. They set goals. And then he becomes friends with them. The, the Apostle John, when he writes his gospel, he describes himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Those great words. And Jesus loves everybody, but he made those 12 people, he made them a priority. And then he sends them out. He does more than that, though. He dies on a cross for them. He rises from the grave for them and for you. And he sends us out to be his people in his world because of his incredible love for you. And God invites you uh, to share that love. If you're married, you know where to go first, right? If you're not, God's going to put people in your life who need that type of love. It could be kids, it could be friends, whoever that might be. I promise you this, God will place that person in your life. And you're going to say, well, I think God's calling me to serve this person here. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing. And as we finish up this marriage series, I'm, I'm praying that for couples you take a lot away, but for, for you singles out there, they're going, oh, there's some good tips here. As I work with people at work or my friends and, and family and things like that. Or as I mentor those 
uh, who are married. Because when you're at work, what do your friends talk about? They talk about work, they talk about home. And the Broncos, okay, they'll talk about the Broncos. But when they're not talking about the Broncos, they'll talk about work and home. That's a great opportunity for you to speak into someone's life and say, hey, I heard this. I've, I've read this. And uh, my prayer for you throughout this series is that each and every one of you are more equipped to be uh, God's people in his world, to a world that's dying without them, and oftentimes struggling in their marriages. So that's my prayer for you. Um, a lot of the resources I've gotten from this series is Tim Keller's book uh, on marriage. So I highly recommend it. In the words of Ferris Bueller, if you have the means, I highly recommend it. And, uh, yeah. And uh, I'm just praying for your, for your marriages. So let's pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus. Lord, um, the greatest gifts that you give also have the greatest responsibilities. Lord, m- money is a great gift, but it's a big responsibility. Sex is a great gift, Lord, but it's a big responsibility. And Lord, marriage is a phenomenal gift, but a big responsibility. And so, Lord Jesus, I, I pray for each and every marriage here today. pray, Lord, that where walls have been built up, that you would tear them down by your grace. Lord, that you would give wisdom to to every couple here uh, to speak uh, gently and truthfully and lovingly into each other's lives. Lord, uh, it's so often we, we operate out of fear in marriage and we get defensive Lord, help us to know that each and every one of us here is truly and completely loved by you. And that we don't have to operate out of fear, Lord. But out of confidence in your grace. And security in your love. And operating from that, that platform, Lord. With, our, with our, our hearts overflowing with love already from you. That we might love our spouses, kids friends and family, Lord, and to whomever you've called us to be reflections of you. We ask this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord, for life everlasting. Stand and sing our closing song. <coughs>